Welcome to the Easel Studio Podcast. This is the audio version of an episode that was originally broadcast on easel.eu. If you wish to watch rather than listen, go to Easel Campus to see all the episodes on demand. Welcome to the Easel Studio, your weekly hepatology broadcast news. In today's episode, we will talk on the new era for science dissemination, the role of social media. During the last years, Twitter and Facebook, among others, have become powerful platforms for science dissemination and for scientists' interaction and discussion. The field of liver diseases is a clear example. Therefore, the aim of this ESL studio is to debate the best strategies to disseminate science via social media with experts in the field. Ways to do it, current liver tutor status, goals, limitations, next challenges, and opportunities. Today, we have on board three hepatologists, international experts in science communication, education, and social media in the field of hepatology. Hamed El Sarkawi from Birmingham, UK, He's the social media advisor for ESL Education. Welcome, Hamed. Well, thank you very much for having Jesus. Juan Turnes from Pontevedra, Spain. He is the social media advisor for the Spanish Association for the Study of the Liver and for Liver International Journal. He regularly analyzes data related to liver Twitter and to any liver-related aspect. Welcome, Juan. Thank you. Nice to be here. Thank you. And last but not least, Elliot Tapper from Michigan, United States. He is the Journal of Hepatology website and social media co-editor. Welcome, Elliot. Great to be here. All these three speakers have thousands of followers in Twitter and are very active in social media. So just to start, for those people who are not on Twitter, why should they join Twitter? Any of you can start. I'll start. I'll start. So I... I, so, so I, I joined Twitter organically. In fact, I, I remember exactly. I was at an easel uh, conference of viral hepatitis in Paris. I think it was back in 2015. Those of you who my timeline can check. And I, I found actually that a lot of people, even during the meeting, were interacting through Twitter. Um, and I, th I thought actually that's a great way to interact during the meeting because a, a large meeting, you're not going to be able to speak to everyone in the room. Um, you're not going to know what other people are thinking about a presentation you've seen. You may think it's great, you may not think it's great. But actually, that ability to live tweet and interact with people and actually sometimes go and seek out people who've expressed certain opinions, for me, that was a really powerful tool and just enabled me to connect with many more, many more people than I could physically see. So that was my main reason initially for joining Twitter, actually, uh, to do that. Yeah, I was encouraged to join by a um, hospitalist by the name of Dr. Vineet Arora, who asked anybody who was involved with medical education to be on Twitter. And it was really the first time I had heard of it. And what, you've, what you learn relatively quickly is it is the one place where you can find a critical mass of not only researchers, but also learners, journals, and journalists. If you're just watching passively, you can actually see the field evolve uh, and learn a great deal. But uh, it's also a lot of fun to contribute and that's something I hope we can talk about. Definitely. What about Juan, okay. what is your experience? Okay, in my case, it was uh, a little bit different because uh, I, I, I was convinced by my wife who is a surgeon 
And uh, uh, four years ago, in 2018, she showed me the potential of, of Twitter because in the, in the surgery field, the show me for surgery movement was extraordinarily uh, arising at that time. And I remember to, to start to be more active by the end of 2018 and finding Elliot in the network when he was, had less than 500 followers. Mm -hmm. It's unbelievable, but that happened once. And uh, I, I simply uh, never have been more updated in everything related to hepatology since I joined Twitter. Probably that uh, uh, would be my, my first advice for all of you that are not on social media or are on social media, but just only to see and to read things and to follow things. That is right, but uh, you're losing something more. And this, is, this more thing is the engagement with other uh, colleagues, with other people, with patients also. That's a good point. I think point. it's important that we call out Juan for a second, because while we all had our own specific reasons, even for self-promotion or just for learning, it was Juan who would, one, tweet in Spanish and be more inclusive, two, uh, start to track the metrics of our engagement. And it was through those kinds of activities that we kind of built a community to link us. And particularly in these COVID times where we weren't able to meet up, there was a connectedness that this liver Twitter space provided uh, when that was otherwise lacking, largely because of the kind of stuff that he had started. And, and Jesus, if I may add, I mean, two oh, things. Yeah. Sure. One, one, I think what people don't realize, I mean, traditionally, how did we read journal articles? We went onto PubMed and we heard about them through someone who presented something at a journal club or some one of your colleagues told you about it. But you were very reliant on those interactions. Whereas you go onto your timeline on Twitter and you will see things before they're even, you know, first online, the journal themselves will tweet about things that they think are interesting. Your colleagues will. Yes, some of it may be self-promotion, but actually you get to see things and you get to explore parts of hepatology that may not be your immediate subspecialty interest. And you get the ability to interact with, as, as I said, learners, but also sometimes with patients. Now, there are advantages and disadvantages, and I know we're short on time. But I, I think that that ability to open up academic discussion is, is superb in Twitter. So that's number one. And number two, people have, through liver Twitter particularly, published things, journals, publications, when they've never ever met in person and, and also social events. So I remember at the end of ASLD at Uzo Rabia, who many of you will know from Liver Twitter, organizing a little social event, a Zoom meeting. Uh, and some of us met up, it was very late in the UK, it was earlier in the US. But actually, for the first time, we, we, we just chatted amongst people you got to know on Twitter, but you had the opportunity to sort of interact with them on a more social level. And again, at meetings, you tend to interact in your little cliques. You tend to stick to people who you know. And, and Twitter gives you the ability just to widen your network massively. Yeah, that's a very good, very good point. Uh, I also agree that during the COVID-19 uh, pandemic, uh, more people were, were engaged on Twitter and, and it was a great way to be connected and to really uh, keep interacting. So, so I fully agree on that. And I hope all of us and more others will, will join this. Uh, what is according to your your thoughts the current profiles on as, as Twitter users? So, what kind of profiles uh, use Twitter and, and and interact with the let's say the liberal community? I think we've heard a few examples so far. So, I think that the, the it began with journals, 
um, you know, tweeting with variable success to promote. And then beyond that, you had uh, 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 researchers or conference attendees uh, adding value to that by layering on their opinions or their assessments. But along the way, uh, we've seen brought into the fold a variety of other groups, patient advocacy groups, patients, and uh, journalists, uh, while uh, we've seen a deepening of the bench where beyond just the people publishing papers, beyond just a few of high volume tweeters, where we now have people uh, across the spectrum of age, uh, across the whole, uh, the whole world, uh, tweeting uh, and being involved. Yeah, that's the point. So it's very diverse community in terms of regional uh, age and, and everything. No, I think I fully agree on that. Probably the, 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 the most important thing about the profiles of the people uh, joining Twitter by the metrics that uh, I, I used to analyze every week is that, uh, I, I don't know how do you think, but there is a difference between uh, Europe and the United States. And it's not a thing about Europe and the US. Uh, you can, there are a lot of people very active in India and uh, in other countries. But what I feel is that uh, here in Europe, people are more, I, I don't know how to say, but they, they, they probably are connected, are active, uh, are reading, but they are not so prone to engage a uh, discussion. And uh, uh, the opposite uh, happens in the US. You can see a lot of people, fellows, young people, but also senior hepatologists uh, publishing things, uh, um, tweeting about her work, his, their work, or also engaging uh, with answer. We have seen, uh, for example, uh, Guadalupe Garcia Sao uh, answering questions in Twitter. and. Uh, I, I don't know uh, if Elliot or Ahmed uh, have an explanation or an idea why this happened, why, why this difference happened. How can we uh, convey our European and people, pathologists from other countries to be more active? So, I mean, if I may, I think the, the profile of Twitter in the US is bigger. As uh, much as I hate to mention the name of the former president, but I think Donald Trump brought a big profile to Twitter in the US. So people started using it more and more. Now, I'm not going to pass judgment because you will be here for another half an hour just talking about that. But, um, but I, so I, I think there is a difference in Twitter profile and Twitter usage amongst the general population in the US and in Europe. I don't know whether you agree, Elliot. But actually, part of me also therefore asks the question of, how can we improve engagement with colleagues like in India, in China, in Hong Kong? You know, a lot of Hong Kong and Singaporean colleagues are on Twitter and Australian colleagues as well. And it's been great to interact with them when they've been particularly locked down in COVID over Twitter. People like Greg Dawes, for example, in Australia. But I think I think there are exceptions even within Europe. So Hami Bosch, when when he was on Twitter, it was great having a stalwart reporter like attention. And, and the stuff I learned from Hami's tweets, I mean, you know, uh, incredible. Incredible. So I think maybe as European hepatologists, we need to be encouraging more the use of liver Twitter. Because I, I agree with you. I think the community is more active in the US than it is in Europe. But, but, but I think we need to be one big community around the world. South America not to be excluded or, or Africa for that matter. Elliot, your thoughts? Yeah, I agree with you. So I think in general, when you're on social media, there is going to be a concern that you could have a misstep or that you will say uh, the wrong thing, or that you're just you you don't think that you're going to be able to get your points across in 280 characters, 
And functionally, what that requires to get used to is, is time. And the more time that uh, you have exposure to Twitter, the more likely you are uh, to jump in. And I think the popularity of the platform in the United States relative to other places is probably one of the reasons why you're going to have more people. But I, I also think it's a critical point that we need to have the, the senior voices uh, come in because not only does it sort of lend credibility to the discussion, not only do they have uh, a lot to say, but in a field such as ours, we look to them for guidance on the on the places where uh, data may be lacking. And I, I'm not exactly sure what it will take, but essentially you need to make sure that there's some value in it for them so that when they feel engaged, they they sustain that engagement. You will see people Come and come and go within the platform, but but making sure that there's feedback for them that they know that they're appreciated is probably uh, the the first step to encouraging more people to jump in. And for people who are not familiar with Liber Twitter, can you provide some uh, some ideas? What is Liber Twitter and what is the Liber tutorials? Uh, so, which are the values and opportunities behind? Well, you know, at, at, a, at a most basic level, liver Twitter is a hashtag, right? So it's a way to search for tweets linked by a common theme, anything related to or pertaining to liver land. And we used that hashtag originally to start building a critical mass around the discussions that were happening in disparate pockets uh, on Twitter. But Liver Twitter is more a, a state of mind at this point because there's a lot more people who will use that hashtag in a variable way, tweeting about liver-related topics. It's just a good way to link all of our discussions together through something that's easy to search like the Dewey Decimal System of, of the Twitter. You just click the, the hyperlink that, that a hashtag becomes. But you know it, the components of it right, are, are multifold and include dedicated educational activities, like we talk about tutorials, the linked tweets that, whose intention is to do education, but that's really part of the, uh, the interest that is shared by many who may or may not tutorial, which is to say, we want to close gaps in knowledge at the front line of care for people that are interested in liver disease or care for people with liver disease because gaps in knowledge persist and are super common everywhere. I would like to 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 uh, stress the the technical point of the hashtag. The hashtag is really important to use it because it not it uh, it's not only about following the conversation. Your timeline could be a mess if you have and you are following hundreds or thousands thousands of people, but you can use uh, software tools to to just see in your timeline a hashtag, the the, the hashtag conversations. Not only uh, about liberty Twitter, but in, in this case, about liver Twitter, and this makes uh, your life easier in in social media. So it is a technical issue. Yes, is uh, is a state of mind, as uh, Elio pointed out. Yes, also, but the technical issue is important, and I encourage people uh, joining uh, this community to use the hashtag uh, because uh, it will help everyone to see you uh, on, on Twitter and also to engage with you. And Regarding the tutorials, I, I don't, I can say anything about Elliot Hasse because uh, he's 
and the master of tutorials and, and tutorials are, are pure gold uh, not not only those from Elliot, but uh, there are a lot of people working really hard to write a, a tutorial. It takes uh, weeks, probably, in the case of Elliot or Tony Breu, or uh, there are a lot of people working on that. And uh, I have to to confess that uh, I myself, in in some in some in some cases, uh, go to my my phone and look for a tutorial to find a, a, a small tip for a disease or for a diagnosis instead of going to to read a, a review or, or a paper because it is easier to find it there. You come out to, to a very interesting point, no? and I want to follow this. Uh, what is the impact of Twitter, not only in science dissemination, also in clinical practice? So how tutorials help on that and how science uh, or the dissemination through Twitter is helpful for clinical practice? What is your experience and your thoughts on that? Well, I'll, I'll, I'll get started by saying that our, our dream really is to improve the quality of care that is received by patients with liver disease. And that's why we do research. It's why we, uh, uh, we study questions or write review articles. But the reality is that those things are not as widely disseminated as we want. And the use of social media can reach many more people. And it is a true pleasure of my life to learn that something that I've tweeted has had an impact on what people are doing for patients. I'll give you a personal example. Um, you know, this is using liver Twitter hashtag, talking about how I was proud to learn how to use radio frequency ablation to treat gastric antral vascular ectasia. And uh, it's, you know, that's something that's probably more effective than argon plasma coagulation. And uh, I was quickly rebuffed by uh, David Patch uh, from the UK, uh, who said that he's been banding all along, and that's a lot more uh, cost-effective treatment. It was that kind of give and take. We had a good time. He was making fun of me uh, at the time, but uh, we were, but it was collegial, where I was able to learn from that, that this is something maybe I should look into, read a little more about, and it has changed my practice. So... Uh, even though I'm out there to definitely change practice around a couple of things and uh, uh, have fo focused messages around that, I am receiving more in terms of my own personal education than anything that I've ever put in. I think that's right. And I think in terms of changing clinical practice, it's important to look at the wider picture. So the one thing I'd add to the hashtag of Twitter is it's a community. Uh, so it's a state of mind, but actually it is also a community. It's a community of us who interact, who, as I say, have never met each other and wouldn't necessarily normally interact at liver meetings. But I think also having the patient advocacy groups, and it serves two purposes. It serves for us to learn and hear patient stories. And for example, some of the tweets from the Hepatitis B Foundation, just I'm a viral hepatitis specialist, you know, some of the, the, the issues I've learned about stigma and discrimination and, and actually learning about patient-specific webinars that I've been able to attend has changed the way I treat some of my patients. So it's actually the patients teaching us as physicians uh, as well through Twitter sometimes that, that maybe is an underappreciated thing. But actually, sometimes you just need to make the right links and, and, and your perspective changes. So as for me, that's another really important part of education on liver Twitter as well. It's that bi-directional conversation. 
And uh, in this regard, uh, you, you, well, all of you commented that uh, while Twitter is more related to education rather than, than discussion, how we can improve discussion for the future? How, how, what is your ideas? How we can improve it? Because indeed, that's a, a, big, uh, a big gap, no? So I know there are things called Twitter spaces, but I must confess to ignorance about how they're used. Uh, but it may be something as a community that we could explore. Um, you know, I happen to know that it's used, for example, very quintessentially English sport of cricket. They often have, you know, one of the people I, I follow on, on social media who's a cricket commentator does Twitter spaces when he discusses a particular match that's just happened. So whether, you know, we could think about Twitter spaces to discuss particular themes is something that maybe we can explore as a community. But I think uh, respect, uh, I think will always underline discussion. And I think actually Twitter, Liver Twitter, we were saying before we started, is a great, you know, generally messaging is very positive. There's a lot of respect um, and I long may that continue. But I think encouraging through questioning, through directing questions, through tw uh, tagging people into particular questions you think may have expertise, that's how we can encourage it. Um, and, and doing it during meetings uh, based on what's presented as well, I think is a good way to encourage discussion. That's often when I get the biggest discussion and response to some of the questions I put out, because I want to learn. I often don't know the answer. That's important thing to say. You know, ideally we want to have back and forth and sometimes uh, uh, the back and forth can be challenging or the, or the right level of expertise to counter a certain point might be lacking. But I think it's important to view each tweet as really the tip of the discussion iceberg because we don't have a way of measuring the cognitive processes that happen offline or the kinds of discussions that happen within each of our centers as prompted by a controversy or a discussion that was started online. And what that means is that we anybody who is providing you know, fodder for that discussion or starting things off or promoting a, a paper or topic, there, it raises the bar on what we ought to be doing. We simply can't present a, a like a, a figure. We should explain what why it matters to us. We shouldn't tell people what to do, but rather why we think they ought to do it. And the more uh, explicit we are with mechanism, people will understand more about the physiology of this condition that we wish to educate about and the kind of discussion that happens amongst people offline is going to be much more productive. That's very good. Uh, also, I, I want to know your opinion for, this is for scientists, so which is the best strategies to disseminate science to, through social media? Can you provide some tips on how to engage uh, people on Twitter when you are going to disseminate your, your results? You, Elliot, have uh, some experience from a, a recent paper, and the others' uh, thoughts are very welcome too, of course. Yeah, I'm, I'm happy to turn it over to anyone else. I don't want to Okay, so I would say that uh, any tweet should have some graphical element to it. And I don't think you need to feel burdened to create a fancy visual abstract, but there should be a picture to draw people's attention that you should, people should know what they are about to learn from that picture with some summary within the tweet and, and a judicious use of things like emojis and hashtags to uh, just draw people's attention is, is worthwhile. 
But what we learned uh, at JHEP is that uh, beyond just having a figure, connecting with the motivations behind the research, the gaps that were addressed by the research is critical to spurring a deeper level of connection. And so what I'm saying is we published a randomized trial where we compared graphical abstracts to the story behind the work. And while there was two tweets versus one to tell that story that, that may have had an effect, at the very least, uh, we think the, the, the secret sauce to an increased level of engagement, downloading the paper, reading the paper, was related to seeing the author behind the work, understanding why they spent their time uh, to do it in addition to the research lessons that they learned. And so I think it's key there to have a picture, be careful, like be uh, use pretty things to generate um, uh, attention. And then three, make a human connection with the work that you're trying to promote. And maybe fourth, include the hashtag Liber Twitter. <laughs> Any other? I just add, uh, add to that, Jesus, and I think, I think Twitter enables you, as Ellis says, to humanize, but also to really try and explain the relevance of your research to the wider community in, in easily understandable language. It doesn't have to be, you know, heavy scientific language that has to pass by reviewers. Um, it, it, it's your ability unfiltered. You know, in, in a way, you could argue, imagine you're explaining it to your parents who aren't scientists. What would you say about the research that you've done? You know, you know, and how is it relevant? And if you're, so for example, doing a basic, you know, I hate that word basic, but if you're doing a molecular science project, how may it be relevant to clinical liver disease management moving down the line? The opposite is true. How can clinical discoveries trigger questions that need to be answered by laboratory science? Equally, how does clinical disease research how is it relevant to allied healthcare professionals? And we've got to appreciate that a lot of liver Twitter is allied health professionals. Our nursing, physiotherapy, dietetic colleagues, and others are getting, and pharmacists are getting more and more involved in liver Twitter. And I still don't think we serve them quite enough. And um, but but they are an increasing voice within within the community. So yeah, I, I would say imagine you know it's, it's one of my personal bugbears that lay summaries in journals are often not lay. When you know if I gave them to my twelve year old daughter which is the reading level you're meant to write a lay summary at, she wouldn't understand most of what's written. So um, I think, you know, have that ability to, to, to address people unfiltered, to explain the motivation on a human level, but to really simplify things and say, this is why this is important. And, and uh, as Edith says, all, all the other things of success, I think is a real strength for Twitter. And, and we are losing an important point about this. And, um, and it, it, it is about the issue that we know that uh, if you use uh, any social media, like Twitter in particular, to disseminate your work, your research, uh, we know, because this is a fact, that your uh, this citation, the quoting of your work will increase. And there are several publications about that. So uh, this is the first reason why I, I would advise who, anyone who is uh, uh, watching us to join Twitter if they are not already in. And also a small tricks about the, the, the tweet. Well, Elliot and Ahmed uh, have pointed out the most important thing that is uh, to give a personal touch. It is your work and you are the best person to say something that is not in the abstract, in the conclusions or in the title to, to, uh, to be 
to, to make your your work interesting for the the, the people that are uh, shopping with the, her, his finger, their timeline really fast, and don't use so many blue color, so, so many hashtags or account names. The blue color is bad; it, it is a bad thing. So use it uh, wisely. Of course, leave a Twitter always. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much for for your uh, your thoughts and and your advices. And finally, uh, can you please provide us uh, the, your future perspectives, directions, potential challenges and opportunities in social media for the future and in the dissemination in general, please? Where, where are we going? Yeah. <laughs> That's the question. Yeah, that, that is a, it's, it's tough to say. And it's uh, uh, because it's a, this is the wisdom of the crowd. And uh, the next steps are going to emerge uh, in a, um, natural way in response to you know market demands. But if I if I had to um, put my wish list out for the next few years, what I would like to see is continued sustained engagement from a variety of different voices within the allied health that care for patients with liver disease, increasing connection with people who are who are our experts as well as those who are learning to to have a measurable impact on interest in hepatology and the outcomes of patients with liver disease. And I think what we have to do here is we have to merge uh, what we are seeing with, re with research methodology. I would love to see us measure the impact of what we are doing and create and design ways uh, to do that. It's going to take a lot of extra effort, but beyond uh, singing the praises of this, I would love to see us make a real measurable impact on the lives of people that we care for. Yeah, I, I agree fully with that. I think it's important that we do measure impact. I mean, I remember Elliot and I briefly on Twitter via direct messages and discussing the fact that, for example, recognition of all the fantastic medical education work he does on Twitter isn't recognized by various institutions, uh, academic institutions. It's not part of a, a research evaluation tool. Uh, for me, I do a, a huge amount of continuing professional development or continuing medical education on Twitter, yet I cannot register that as externally validated. Um, for me, actually, the future would involve us being able to link our Twitter activity to our co continuous professional development in a seamless way that's documented and externally validated. Now, the issue of financing that and how that's funded is, is an interesting thing. Um, and and I, I think a growing patient physician, patient allied healthcare professional, patient allied healthcare professional, multi-stakeholder discussion on Twitter and, and learning from each other is the future. And we've only spoken about Twitter. And the question is, is there a role for other social media? And I'm not yet sure, to be honest. And I, it's certainly something that I think we need to keep be open-minded about. Deep we'll talk. stick to Twitter for now. <laughs> Juan. Yeah, uh, it is a difficult question. I mean, I'm not really sure how uh, all these things are going to evolve in the future. We, we have just arrived uh, after uh, or during the pandemic to a point uh, where, where more than, we, the liver Twitter has had more than 20, 30 million impressions every month. And that's uh, the months that we don't have 
uh, a liver meeting, which speaks over 50, 60, or even 80 millions. So I, I don't know how is what is going to happen in the future, but I, I think that is going to evolve in a free way. What we learn is that uh, Twitter and liver Twitter community in particular, it is not the four of us here. It is a huge number, thousands of people uh, going to, to Twitter looking for, for answers and also looking for questions uh, and to then come back to the real life and, and use it in their research and clinical practice or in their lives. So I don't know what is going to happen, but I, I, I'm going to definitely be there when it happens. You have a challenge with the metrics, Juan. That's, your, <laughs> that's in your side. Sure, you can count on me. <laughs> definitely. Well, we came into the end of this ECL studio. Thank you very much, Ahmed, uh, Juan and Elliot for this excellent and inspiring discussion.